Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Presented by Locked On, it's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network, and we are your hosts here on this Tuesday edition of the show. Excited to get into some of the big headlines that happened yesterday. We've got our, uh, our my favorite segment of the week, Takes on Takes, and uh, we've got a fun segment later on where Kyle and I are going to dig into some very specific predictions on a couple of pro teams and a couple of college teams. Kyle, welcome to the show. Thanks, Joe. Really excited to uh, get into the takes of the listeners. I'm happy to report I did survive Mock Monday. Uh, Hellfire and brimstone aside, it was great to kind of put it behind us. And, you know, my, my takes are out there now. The mock draft has been assembled. I've only pissed off a couple of, fr- of fan bases. So life's good as we enter this Tuesday for takes on takes, because I feel like just the weight of the world's off the shoulders. You know, it's, you know, you're on the other side of that, that thing that's been looming on the horizon for a really long time and we made it. So here we are. Was there a particular fan base that was most unpleased with their pick? Uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars were not too fond of the idea of drafting another Missouri quarterback. <laughs> I saw you dealing with some of that as if there is something that has to do with Drew Locke um, that you know pertains to Blaine Gabbert. But that's often how people see things just because of the school they went to and the position and past experiences all day Well. Yeah, listen, man. I mean, the team only had a completely different head coach, general manager, and team owner when when they drafted Blaine Gabbert versus uh, the the folks that are in place now. So, I mean, I'm sure there's somebody like maybe the equipment manager remembers Gabbert and is like, "Oh no, you can't take that Missouri kid." And he's, I remember the last one that came through here. I'm not in on that at all. Uh, that'd be fun to look at and see if there's any examples where a team took a quarterback or something from a particular school that failed. And then it, there was a, an example of where they did it again and it was a success story. So there's everyone's homework. Let me know if you can come up with that. Uh, Kyle, let's get into the breaking news. Uh, the first one I want to lead off with is Rob Havenstein, the offensive tackle for the Los Angeles Rams. He signed a four year, $32 million extension to continue his career with the LA Rams. He was a, Second-round pick in 2015, started 43 games uh, since then, and uh, he's been a fixture for them at right tackle. Here's my take on this, Kyle. I think he's probably an average right tackle in the NFL, but this is the kind of money that I'm not comfortable committing to Rob Havenson. I I think a lot about replacement-level players, and I think that's exactly what Rob Havenson is. I think I would want to invest those resources in the Aaron Donalds of my team and the Marcus Peters and, you know, they've already invested in Todd Gurley, but Jared Goff's coming up. I just feel like you have to prioritize extensions and giving these mid-level deals to replaceable players, I think, is where teams get themselves in trouble down the road. 
Yeah, it seems like an odd player to kind of... First of all, I'd say this. I like that the Rams kind of know who their core guys are, and they're making an effort to keep those guys here long-term. I think that's a smart way of conducting business, especially with a lot of these guys being players that have been brought in by the Rams within the last couple of years. So you have a young core, but Rob Havenstein, I mean, by and large, you would assume a average right tackle in the NFL is now going to get eight and a half average per year. And you guys are scraping the the bottom of the barrel, trying to sign arguably the best defensive player in football. And you just gave away a little less than half of what you would need to sign him while also giving out a large number of contracts to other players this off season. And um, yeah, I mean, the, the, the numbers here really makes you wonder how the Rams are going to finesse this if they're going to keep Aaron Donald. I know it, and Dominic Kinsu is coming off the books next year. He's the only there in a one-year deal. I think he's signed for like 12 or $15 million or something like that. But, you know, a lot of these contracts have escalators. A lot of these contracts have um, money that's not necessarily going to go down the deeper into the contract it gets. So the Rams, you know, I, I would love to be a fly on the wall and hear what their long-term plan is with the Aaron Donald contract situation and their calorie, salary cap situation because a couple of years, you're also going to have to worry about extending Jared Goff. And those contracts don't come cheap for starting quarterbacks in today's NFL. Kyle, the AP poll dropped today, edition one of the college football AP poll. Uh, we're not going to dig into the whole thing, but I'm curious uh, if you have a takeaway or two from a first glance here at this uh, this fresh AP Top 25. Yeah, I want to give the AP some credit for giving Wisconsin a first place vote. I'm glad somebody out there has been reading my material this summer. So that's great. Uh, full disclaimer, Wisconsin was my fourth team in my personal Top 25 for the Draft Network. I do not believe Wisconsin is the best team in the country. Um, kind of thumbing through the rest of it, surprised to see uh, Virginia Tech in the top 20, uh, surprised to see Notre Dame at 12. You know, they, these are infractions that were also committed in the coaches poll as well. So I can't sit here and, and get too puffy about it, but it's just, I think those, those two schools in particular for me stand out as being a little rich. Trying to look at the comparison here of the AP Top 25 and the coaches poll and which teams, you know, if there's any differences in which teams are represented and not. Uh, coaches poll has Oklahoma State at 25. I don't think that's a team that's going to place this year. Too much turnover in my opinion, although look, the, the, the Cowboys yeah. are typically very good under Mike Gundy. Is there another team here? Is that the only uh, – only di- Oregon. Oregon, the, uh, the AP poll has Oregon instead of Oklahoma State. So I think that's the big difference, the only difference when it comes to the actual teams represented. Valentine's Day is just around the corner, and it's only fitting that this important interruption is brought to you by Manscaped. Manscaped is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Have you thought about what you're getting your loved one this year? Or maybe you want to give the gift of sweet-smelling grundle bliss 
to your partner. I'm talking about the Manscaped Perfect Package 3.0. Whether you're the only one who gets to see what's going on down there or you're one of many, do you, your partner, and everyone else a favor and introduce yourself to this revolutionary company. Manscaped just launched their brand new Perfect Package. Inside the Manscaped Perfect Package, you'll find their Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer, which features skin-safe technology and will prevent you or your man from cutting his nuts. Speaking of smelling nice, let's be real. No one wants to carry around that locker room smell with them. That's why I am thankful for the Crop Preserver and Crop Reviver. These products keep your crotchal region from sweating, smelling, and sticking. The Perfect Package will also come with a pair of Manscaped boxer briefs that'll keep that junk feeling fresh all day. It's time to upgrade those overused pair of boxers to this new new. Give the gift that will make your Valentine's Day spicy. Go to manscaped.com and use the promo code locked on to get 20% off and free shipping. Ladies, this is the perfect gift for you and your man and men. Your partner will thank you. Trust me, he will thank you. And guess who else will thank you? Your balls will thank you. 20% off and free shipping when you use the promo code locked on at manscaped.com. And not a lot of deviation. No. Um, I think the, the biggest difference you find is like West Virginia and Virginia Tech respectively are 17 and 20 on each poll. And they're flipped back around. And then uh, I, I think that is the biggest difference you would have between any two teams in the top 25 just kind of looking at these polls side by side is West Virginia and Virginia Tech are three spots apart and they're flipped on each poll and the coaches are higher on Ohio State in the Big Ten than the AP who favors Wisconsin as it stands today Uh, okay let's move on here we've got we talked about Adrian Peterson yesterday on the show and how he was visiting the Redskins and now he is a Redskin surprise Uh, yeah it happened Uh, they are desperate over there to uh, to commit to the washed up Adrian Peterson. Now it doesn't mean he's oh, going to be the future guy and carry the ball 25 <laughs> times a game, but uh, this is, this is where the, uh, where the Redskins are right now in their running back situation. Yeah, this is not great. Uh, Peterson was probably one of the worst backs in football last year. And um, I know was, was Orleans dark what brought in for a visit in Washington or was yeah. he visiting elsewhere? No, he's he's coming in. I don't know if that's going to continue or whatnot, but yeah. I thought he was part of the visits, yes. In 2018, you can give me Orleans Dark with 10 times out of 10 over Adrian Peterson. I'm sorry, but that's that's kind of how I feel. I don't think that's wrong. The last one here, Kyle, is that Josh Allen has been named the Bills starting quarterback for this week three preseason game on Sunday against Cincinnati. Here's why I think this is significant. Sean McDermott, meticulous man. He's the kind of person that is very detail-oriented, Uh, to the point that if the Bills are going to wear blue on Sunday, the offense wears blue. If they're going to wear white, the offense wears white. I mean, he is a detail guy. Week three is the dress rehearsal for the regular season. This is a very strong indication that Josh Allen will be the week one starting quarterback for the Buffalo Bills because I don't think Sean McDermott's going through the dress rehearsal without his QB1. So ready or not, it looks like this is going to be the guy for the Bills against the Ravens in week one. You feel better now that you got that into the news headlines? It's hey, We're it's announcing a starting quarterback in a preseason game. Yeah. If it was Lamar Jackson starting week three against the Ravens, uh, you know, whatever team for the Ravens, that would be a big deal. I think this is a big deal. It's been a, a, a race here, and Josh Allen was raw as everyone 
believed he was, including myself, is, is really shown growth, and he's in position now to be the, the day one starting quarterback, something I didn't envision being a possibility several months ago. Joe, real quick, can you be a voice of reason here? I'm p- seeing people, not like fans either, like people who are professionals in the industry talking about how whoever worked with Josh Allen this summer's you know, done a terrific job because they fixed his footwork. And do you feel do you feel like Josh Allen's footwork is definitely fixed? Do you feel like anything can be fixed over the course of a summer and through looks in two preseason games? Well, I think the growth is obvious. Sure. You know, I'm I'm not going to sit here and say any he's fixed by any okay. means, given where he was. And, and you know, we got to find out on Sunday. He's going against what I think is a good Bengals defense with talent on all three levels of the field, really good secondary, and a lot of good pass rush. So, hey, we're going to find out on Sunday. Um, but uh, yeah, the growth, and then that's what I keep going back to because I'm not getting ahead of myself in any way, shape, or form. But the growth, even from the biggest Josh Allen haters of the planet, the growth has been obvious. Kyle, shall we move on here to some schedule predictions? And so what we've done here for this segment is we both have a pro team and a college team that we are going to give to the other person. We don't know what teams they are. And we're going to go through week by week, predict win, loss, and come up with a final record uh, based on what what we perceive these teams as today. Yes. Kyle, do you want to get yours first? I would give me one. I first? would love to give you one first, and I'm going to do your college team first. Okay, all right, okay. let's do it. And I don't know what team this is. No, yeah, there's, this, there's, is- this is completely off the cuff, which is what's going to make this so great. Because Joe, today's segment after this one is takes on takes, and we solicited some takes from our audience and our boss, J.C. Cornell chimed in (laughs) and asserted that he thought UCLA was going to win the Pac-12. So, Joe, I would like you to go through the UCLA 2018 football schedule, pick wins and losses, and tell me if JC's take that UCLA will win the Pac-12 is a correct take or an incorrect take. I have been trapped, but let's do this. I've got you good. As yeah, soon as you told me what we were doing, I knew this was exactly where I was going to go. <laughs> gonna cut All you right. down from the knees. I'm going to be honest here, so let's do it. Okay. Home, September 1st against the Cincinnati Bearcats. Win. There you go. We're off to a great start. Uh, September 8th, uh, on the road in Norman against Oklahoma. Loss. One and one. Home against Fresno State. Win. Two and one on the road against Colorado on a Friday. I don't know if that makes a difference. Win three and one home against Washington Huskies. Loss three and two on the road again in Berkeley against Cal. Hmm. That's a loss. Three and three home homecoming. Against the Arizona Wildcats. Loss. Three and four. Home against the Utah Utes. Loss. Three and five. I have a feeling UCLA is not going to win the Pac-12 in your eyes, Joe. Oh, this is not this is not going well. Three and five. Four games to go. Uh home or on the road against the Oregon Ducks. Loss. Three and six. On the road at Arizona State. 
four and six. Home against USC. Loss. Four and seven. Home against Stanford. No, this is a loss too. Four and eight. Joe, you have the Pac-12 champion UCLA Bruins going four and eight in 2018. For full disclosure, I think UCLA finds seven wins on this schedule. Yeah, not great, Kyle. Not great. Hopefully, uh, JC and I are still on speaking terms uh, after that, but I had to be honest for the people, and it sounds like I think UCLA is a four to six win team. If they achieve everything, it's a tough schedule, but um, I think the future will be good and bright once uh, you know UCLA and, and Chip Kelly is able to get his guys in there, so... All right, Kyle, it's time for me to give you yours. And I'm disappointed that I didn't think of this. Um, yeah, it, nicely done there. I want to give you a team that you've talked a lot about this uh, this summer and a team that is in a very difficult division in the Big Ten East. And I'm talking about the Michigan Wolverines. So it's time for you to really let us know what you think about Shea Patterson and Jim Harbaugh and this NFL defense that is the Michigan Wolverines. So – we start out at Notre Dame week one. I think that's a win. Uh, I know it's on the road, but Notre Dame, nothing offense. I don't know how they moved the ball against Michigan. All right. One to know. We got uh, Western Michigan at home. Win. Two and oh. At home against SMU. Win. At home against Nebraska. Win. Four and oh to start the year are the most Michigan Wolverines at Northwestern. This one's tough because Northwestern's like always super competitive, and I believe they're coming off a bye that week. Uh, I'll still go Michigan just because I think their their athletes are elite relative to Northwestern. Five and zero oh. uh, at home against Maryland. Win six and zero. Oh. So here we go. Now we get to the fun part of the of Michigan's schedule. Six and zero oh going into a home game against Wisconsin. Home. Home. They get to, the Badgers come to Wisconsin. Mm. Win. All right. So seven and zero with a big signature win. We're talking. They're going to be in the top four in the playoff rankings after that. All right. Now yeah, they, the, the world's going to go crazy on Michigan. Now, now does does the does it only last for one week? Because next week they go at they go to Michigan State. For a team that's on the rise there with your guy, Brian Lewerke, at quarterback. Yeah, this was this was an interesting game last year where Michigan State jumped on top of them early and then it started to rain and you know, Michigan State couldn't throw the ball. Uh, Michigan's bringing back nine guys defensively as starters last year, but Michigan State's bringing back 10 offensive starters. So... Um, I'm going to go with Michigan State, but if I was doing the spread in that game, it would be Michigan State by like one or two, and I'm taking Michigan State because it's a home game. Seven and one. Playoff hopes are alive still for Michigan. Uh, After the loss to Michigan State, they host Penn State. Penn State got them good last year, but Penn State lost a ton offensively. I take Michigan in this game. All right, eight and one. uh, Then they travel to Rutgers. Win. Nine and one. They host Indiana. Win. Ten and one. And then we know the 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 game, the big 
the big game at the end of the year, Michigan Wolverines traveling to Ohio State. As much as I would like to pick Michigan, Ohio State has owned this rivalry lately, and I don't see any kind of trump card that would push the the ball back into Michigan's court this year as a road game. So I'll go with Ohio State, have Michigan finish the regular season at 10-2 and two and miss the Big Ten championship. Who gets in? So now you have them beating Wisconsin. So who wins the Big Ten East in this scenario? Um, Sounds like Ohio State. Michigan State plays Michigan and Ohio State at home. They go two Penn State and two Wisconsin? They don't play Wisconsin. Oh, that's ah, Michigan got shafted with that one, huh? Because that's right. Yeah, Michigan, Michigan's got a super tough. <laughs> and then they play Notre Dame as a non-con game. So, like, that's a really tough slate for Michigan relative to Michigan State. Michigan State's non-conference schedule is Utah State, Arizona State, and Central Michigan. And they don't play the Big Ten East either. Right? They, oh, no, they do. They do play the Big Ten East, yes. but they've got Penn State, which is the easiest team of the three other powers in the division, is the only road game. And then they have Michigan at home and Ohio State at home. It's favorable. The schedule lies really favorably for Michigan State. I think they would probably – I would expect them to steal the game against Penn State and steal one of the two other games against Michigan and Ohio State and make the Big Ten championship game with one loss in the conference. All right. So 10-2, Michigan Wolverines. Yeah, and you know if they come out and they win a bowl game, a New Year's Day or a New Year's Eve bowl, that's a good turnaround bounce back season for Michigan after you know the eight and five debacle last year. Joe, NFL time. All right, I got a schedule for you. One of the most avid, passionate fan bases in the NFL. But some questions. I'm talking, of course, about the Dallas Cowboys. So you didn't give me the Buccaneers. No. Yeah, I didn't I didn't want JC getting too pissed off at you on uh, on this Tuesday episode of the dudes. So I'm gonna work through the Dallas Cowboys regular season schedule, and I want you to tell me what record they finish at at the end of the year. All right. On the road against Carolina. Loss. Loss. Home against the Giants. Win. One and one on the road against Seattle. Loss. One and two. Home against Detroit. Win. Two and two. On the road against the Texans. Hmm. I know this is tough because you like the Texans this year. I do. Um, this is a hard one. Uh, I'm going to give that a loss. It's the they stack up favorably. Texans do one defense. Two and two and three, home against the Jaguars. <laughs> uh, that's going to be a ten to three game, huh? Um, we'll give them the win. We'll give them the benefit of the doubt there. Wow, oh, they're going to not expecting I you to give them that. They're going to split. We're going to split that Houston and, and Jacksonville. So I gave okay. them. Yeah, that's yeah. kind of my I'll go one and one. Yes. So three and three. Yeah. Uh, last game before the bye on the road against the Redskins. Uh, we'll go win there. Okay, so four and three. Coming out of the bye, they're home against the Titans. Win. Five and three. Road against the Eagles. Loss. 
five and four. Road against the Falcons. Loss. Five and five. Home against the Redskins. Win. Six and five. Home against the Saints. Loss. Six and six. Home against the Eagles. Loss. Six and seven. At the Colts. Win. Seven and seven. Home against the Bucks. Win. Eight and seven. At the Giants. Loss. Eight and eight. Yep. Dallas Cowboys. Joe Marino has the Dallas Cowboys going eight and eight. I thought that last three game stretch, you were going to give them all three games and bail them out and get them nine wins. No, no. Hey, well, and look, I saw some some of the Cowboys guys on Twitter today. Jonah Tolls, Marcus Moser. They were talking about them being a ten win team. So take off the fan goggles, and it's an eight win team. I, I am fine with this projection. This is NFL Under Review. Local experts on the biggest NFL stories. The NFL Honors Award Show was last week and one surprise when it came to Defensive Player of the Year. This is Bear Motter with your Los Angeles Rams update from Lockdown Rams. Aaron Donald would have been the first player in NFL history to win the award three straight years in a row, but it wasn't the case that the NFL Honors that award this year went to Stephon Gilmore. And don't get me wrong, Stephon Gilmore had a great season. Six interceptions, 18 pass deflected, two touchdowns. He had 53 total tackles. Stephon Gilmore won the award with 21 votes. Chandler Jones came in second with 14. TJ Watt with 10. Although Donald says this doesn't bother him, I see him putting this chip on his shoulder, working even harder, and coming back stronger in 2020, which is a scary thing for the rest of the NFL. For more NFL news, subscribe to the Locked On NFL Podcast only on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Now, uh, you know, America's team is going to at me on Twitter and my, my handle is at grinding the tape. So if you have, no, that's not true. (laughs) And at grinding the tape gave you guys Noah Fant in his mock draft this week. So, so be kind to grinding the tape. All right, Kyle, your team is the San Francisco 49ers. This is a team that they went crazy at the end of the year where they went six in a row to close out the year five, the last five with Jimmy G in the lineup. By all intents and purposes, this is a, an improved roster. Um, and so let's find out just how hot this team is and where you think they are uh, throughout the course of this season. So uh, things start off a little bit difficult. They're at home. Uh, excuse me. They go on the road at the Vikings to start the year. Yeah, it's a loss. 0-1. They host the Lions week two. I think that's a win. 1-1. One and one. At Kansas City. I think that's a win. Two and one. At the Chargers. Man, they, they got the shaft here with the road games early, didn't they? <laughs> they did three out of the first four on the road. Uh, yeah, you can um, you can give that one a loss. So I think, think kind of like the mentality you had with the Cowboys at that, that two-game split where they were going to go one and one. Mm-hmm. Chiefs and Chargers. I think that Chiefs and Chargers will go one and one in that split. And right. the good news is that that Chargers game – you know, it's still somewhat local, even though it's a road game. So, but I still think they'll drop that. Two and two through the first quarter. Then uh, yeah. they, the Cardinals, they host the Cardinals. Win. Three and two at Green Bay. It's Sunday night game. Sunday night? Yeah. Oh, got to go Rodgers. <laughs> three and three. Hosting the Rams. Sunday night. 
I was going to say that's a primetime game yeah, too, is. isn't it? The Packers game was Monday uh, Monday night. I'm not sure if that changes your opinion. No, that even makes okay. it more Rodgers. Okay, so it's Monday. Now, now they go Sunday night uh, hosting the Rams. If they're going to get one, they're going to get one at home. So give me the Niners. Is that four and three? Four and three. Four and three. Okay, so now the, all those that that's a that's going to be a fun little stretch there. Primetime games for the Niners fans. Four and three, and now they are at Arizona Cardinals. Win five and three, so we're on pace for ten and six. All right, now we have a. Don't get their hopes up like that. <laughs> don't start. Don't part. Project the second half. <laughs> <laughs> five and three with a date at home against the Raiders. Win six and three. Then they host the Giants. Monday night football again. Yeah. Monday night. Um... Game will win seven and three going into the bye. All right, 49ers fans, you taking that right now? You should. We have a bye week and coming out of the bye, they go to Tampa Bay. That's a win. Eight and three. Now they have another Sunday night game here at Seattle. Give me Seattle. All right, so is that eight and four? Eight and four. Eight and four. We're going into the last quarter of the season, three out of four games at home. And they host the Broncos in week 14. Mm. Denver. Ooh, a disappointing loss for the 49ers at this point. So nine, uh, eight and five. We're now eight and five. Now they host the Seahawks. It's a win. Nine and five. Hosting the Bears. That's a win. Win 10 comes in week 16 for the 49ers. So we are t- 10 and five. And then we have a date at the Los Angeles Rams to close the season. This could be for the division. What do we got? No, I don't think it'll be for the division. But um, you know, they could they could win it if the Rams are sitting, boys. But you know, I'm going to take the safe bet here and take the Rams at home. Ten and six. If I'm if I'm a 49ers fan, I'm taking that. But they're, they're, you know what the thing is, we work through this schedule. There's some challenges there. In the early to middle portions, but then it really—I mean—you got this stretch of at the Cardinals, the Raiders, the Giants, at the Buccaneers. I think those are all very manageable. And then that three yeah. games in a row at, 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 there in December, hosting the Broncos, Seahawks, and Bears. I mean, this this yeah, is a go, manageable schedule. If you go two and one in each one of those three stretches, yeah. I mean, if you start with that first stretch, you know, it's it's a five week stretch. They got the bye week in there, but they go Cardinals, Raiders, Giants, Bucks. They go three and one there, and then they go two and one on the homestand. I mean, that that's you just got to get through the first half of the season at five hundred, really. Yeah, yep. And you had them at five and three. So, all right, there you have it. Ten and six per Kyle Krabs okay. on the San Francisco 49ers. I I still think the the hype on the 49ers is a year premature, but I think that team will be very very good this year. Like I just don't think they'll, they'll I don't think they'll contend for a deep playoff run this year. Takes on takes, guys. Shall we? Takes on takes. Let's do it. Joe, I'm gonna feed you the first one. This one's from Ben Solak. Friend of the podcast, Ben Solak, who I really like this take and wanted to get it out here early. USC, according to Ben, who studied the Pac twelve for the draft network, sixteenth in our preseason poll, ends the season at seven and five maybe even six and six, and third or maybe even fourth in the Pac-12 South. Man, without looking at their uh, their schedule, that seems 
like I don't believe that to be true. I I like USC. I think they have some uh, some talent coming back on defense. They have some receivers that I like. They're USC, so they recruit well. So the offensive line and running back situation should be fine. I don't think USC is going to be a seven win team. Like I I think I mean looking at the schedule right now, I'll say that's fake news. I, I think that they're going to push for nine or ten wins. Okay, so find me the losses. The losses. Um, Stanford at Stanford week two. Stanford. They don't have to deal with Washington. Uh, Texas. Texas, maybe Notre Dame, maybe Notre Dame. Arizona, maybe. I think those. I mean, if they Utah's go two, going to play him tough. Who's that? Utah. Utah is going to play him tough. That's at, at Utah. So there's five. I could see five. I could see five losses on this. If game. they lose all five of those, so I, if they lose two or three, they're a nine or ten win team. Which is a big deal compared to a seven-win team, right? Big difference. I'm taking the fake news there. For the record, I do not have USC ranked in the poll. Oh, so you might like this. Yeah, I do like this. Okay. I got one for you, Kyle. Here, this comes from uh, at King Creole eighty four. Scott Frost and Troy Walters will help Stanley Morgan achieve a first round grade come spring, and the Huskers win eight to nine games and finish no worse than third in the Big Ten West. No worse than third. That's where things get a little dicey here because you got Wisconsin, you got Iowa, and you got Northwestern. I think those teams are all better than Nebraska. So I'm I'm selling on Nebraska being in the top three in the division. But Nebraska starts its season against Akron, Colorado, and Troy. That's three. So give you give you three wins right there. Then they're on the road at Michigan. They can win against Purdue. They can win against. Minnesota, they can win against Illinois. They can win against Iowa and Northwestern, but both those games are road games. I think this team probably wins six or seven games this year, but um, I'm selling on them being that high, and I'm here for the Stanley Morgan love, obviously. First my round? Fans. First round great? Um, that's probably going to be a bit rich for me. Top 50? But Top 50, yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um. Let's see who else we got here. Uh, Carter LaSalle I'm handing out all the draft network takes. Uh, Carter thinks Teddy Bridgewater makes the Pro Bowl this year, Joe. No, I don't think that's going to happen. I think he's going to be. Why do you hate fun? Uh, I just look, I'm being honest with the people. I think he's going to be a jet. <laughs> he's going to, you know, I think there's going to be, he'll get some time on the field. Um, but I don't think that he's going to play enough. To be a Pro Bowler, I, I think I don't think he's going to be traded. I don't. You disagree, agree, or move on here. I don't think he makes the Pro Bowl either, for the record. Right. But I do think he probably gets traded. I'm going to give you this one. Evan Winter says Tennessee Volunteers will finish with at least seven wins. First year under head coach Jeremy Pruitt. What do you think, there, Kyle? And this is a fun show because we're getting into all the scheduling stuff, right? Yeah, we're trying to work our way through. So the the SEC West. Uh, hold on, my producer's pulling up their schedule right now. I just want to look at it real quick. Right. I don't want to say something I'm going to regret and piss off a fan base. <laughs> seven well, wins we're looking for here, Kyle. Seven wins. Okay, they'll get one against East Tennessee State. They'll get one against UTEP. They could sneak one against Florida. They can sneak one against – or they'll get one against Charlotte. They'll get Kentucky. They'll get Vanderbilt. So we're at six. 
Now, this is a team that didn't win an SEC game last year. So now you have them with, is this two SEC wins already? Florida, Kentucky, and and Vanderbilt. There's three. Three. Wow. So what about Missouri? Mm, I think that that offense has too much firepower. So this is a six-win For them to keep track. I got six wins and then potentially a bowl game. So I'll say maybe. Okay. Say maybe. But he said at least seven wins. Yeah. so So, So I would shade away from that at least that stretch of georgia auburn alabama is uh that should be illegal and then and then they have south carolina on the road with south carolina coming off of a bye the week prior yeah this i mean so that's not great that's that's it's the sec though that's how things go thank goodness their bye week stretched in there (laughs) you know they they're at georgia bye week at auburn and then home against alabama that's uh that's tough. Uh, Joe, next one for you comes from Will Young. Willie Y underscore 19 on Twitter says, the Rams do not make the playoffs. Collecting talent doesn't constitute a successful team. I agree with the second half of that statement. I agree. It's not about having you know just great players and building a dream team. We saw, what was that, the 2011 or uh, 2013 Eagles when they did that? They didn't dream work. team. Uh, I think the nucleus of this team, like we talked about earlier, is in place. And I think Sean McVay is a tremendous head coach. Wade Phillips is the right person to be on that staff and leading that defense. And um, you know, I think Aaron Donald needs to get his ass into the building. But uh, this team is going to make the playoffs. They're going to win the NFC West. And um, conceptually, I'm fine with it. But this specific example of the Rams, no, that's, that's a good football team. They're going to be in the playoffs. Can we talk about on the Rams schedule, they play – the Vikings, the Packers, the Saints, and the Eagles this year in the regular season. That's the NFC, man. It's a good conference. That's, that's terrific. So we'll find out. Uh, Kyle, man, there's some good ones this week. Uh, Jordan Howard, this comes from Mountaintop Scouting. Thank you for, you always have great takes that we like. Yeah, to he does. Uh, Jordan Howard and Trey Burton will follow the Nagy blueprint for Kareem Hunt and Travis Kelsey. Both finished top 10 at their position in yardage for 2019. So 2019, not this year. Well, you know, I think he meant to say 2018. I read it as in 2018. I mean, Jordan Howard's rushed for over a thousand yards in each of his first two seasons. Um, I don't think uh, Tariq Cohen's going to eat into his carries as much as Cohen's going to be kind of a gadget guy. Um, and if you're talking top ten receiving tight ends. I mean, you're going to have, what, probably four or five of them that are over six, 700 yards? I think that's a realistic take to suggest that both those guys get into the top 10. I, I agreed with it, by the way. Uh, Howard's been top five rushing yards uh, both seasons to start his career, and then Burton. Weird. I think Burton's getting a lot of looks, so I like it. Okay, here's – um. Here, Joe, here's my last one for you. Right. It's from Jonathan Poor. Okay. Poor Jonathan on Twitter. Jonathan, you got to come up with a better, better. I know your last name's Poor with an E, but your your handle can't be Poor Jonathan. Let's let's kind of put our brains together and put some some suggestions in for Jonathan for his Twitter <laughs> handle. But he says John Ross, AJ Green, and Tyler Eifer combined for 2,500 yards and 30 touchdowns this year. 
Okay. Um, so for this to be mathematically possible, you're basically counting on like 1,200 yards from A.J. Green. And then how, what does that leave me? I need another 1,200 yards. So I need so, – Yeah, like 650 each. Man, I, I don't know about that. Um, I think they're going to get the running backs involved in the passing offense quite a bit. I think that Tyler Boyd's going to have some market share here. This mixture of Josh Malone, Auden Tate, I think those guys are going to get some looks. Um, John Ross has so much to prove, you know, for him to get that. Could he catch 30 balls for 650 yards? Yeah, he could. But, man, that's infinity more yards and in, in catches than he had last year. 30 touchdowns is probably – I think the 2,500 yards is more likely than the 30 touchdowns, to be honest with you. I agree. Um, I agree wholeheartedly. So I'm going to say both of they, – they, they fall short on both marks here, especially the touchdowns. They might only have maybe half of that when it comes to the touchdowns. Obviously, if Eifert's healthy, and he's cert- certainly capable. And, and John Ross, if that speed translates to production in the NFL, that, that uh, remains to be seen. But I'm going to say that this is not true. I guess I have one more for you, Kyle. To, to Let's go. Talk. I'm ready. Uh, Spaceman. Either Alabama or Clemson or both missed the playoffs this year. Nah. <laughs> That's fake news. Just, those teams are so good. Um, I think if you had to pick one that was more likely to miss, it's probably Alabama, right? Alabama, you know, they're they're them being in the SEC, you know, they're automatically going to have to play Auburn who's entering the year as a top 10 rated team. So that's uh, unenviable to say the least. Um they don't play Georgia. So that's a win for them. They do play LSU at LSU. And uh, LSU might actually have some competent quarter play this, quarterback play this year with Joe Burrow transferring over from Ohio State. So that's an exciting possibility. But yeah, I mean, I just run up and down the schedule. You know, their, their non-con is Louisville, Arkansas State, and the Citadel. They ain't losing any of those football games. And they're at Ole Miss, home against Texas A&M. I'm sorry, they also have Louisiana on the non-conference <laughs> schedule. Away at Arkansas, home against Missouri, at Tennessee, by week, at LSU, Mississippi State, the Citadel, Auburn. I don't see any way that team doesn't win 11 of those games. Well, here, so the, the course for Alabama to not make the playoffs is they have to get two losses. And let me tell you how that's possible. Right. They have, you have LSU, you have Mississippi State, you have Auburn. You lose one of those games, and you lose the, the SEC, SEC championship, championship game Georgia. Georgia. Then there's yep. two losses. Alabama's probably out in that scenario. But uh, but I think if you look at the national landscape yeah, this year, we talked about that. Yeah, it's a weird year. I wouldn't be surprised if a two team, two lost teams in the playoff. Yeah, that's what makes me think about Washington as a dark horse playoff team. To be honest with you, yeah. I mean, even if they lose, Auburn, yeah. Even well, I mean, even if they lose to Auburn, right? Right, went out. You could still even technically lose a Pac-12 game. But if you win the, the championship and you're dominant for a vast majority of your games. This is the year, right? This is the year there's going to be a couple of two-loss teams that get in. There's going to be a couple of two-loss teams that don't get in. 
And right. The, it's going to be a big controversy the, and it's going to be like the <laughs> the watermark argument to expand to yep, 18. Yep, that's what's going to happen. Yeah. Well, we'll have to plug in and wait and see. You guys can plug into the draft dudes by hitting that subscribe button and follow along with us. We'd like to thank you for carving some time out of your day. Uh, we hope you guys enjoyed Takes on Takes and us working through some of the uh, the college and pro schedules. And Joe, I enjoyed this. This might be something we see again. Yeah. Would not be surprised. Um, so hit that subscribe button and make sure you guys keep up with every episode of The Draft Dudes. We are bringing you content on a Monday through Friday basis. Also, make sure you swing over to thedraftnetwork.com. Uh, Mock Draft 1.0 from yours truly went up yesterday. Uh, if you did not read it, please feel free. Give me your thoughts. Uh, I'm numb to the criticism at this point anyway, so it's no big deal. You, know, you guys can let it rip. Uh, Joe's drops next Monday, so keep visiting until then. Make sure you catch Joe's Mock Draft 1.0, which will drop next Monday on the site. I'm Kyle Krabs with Joe Mario. Thanks for listening to Draft Dudes Podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.